A big thank you to this week's sponsor, Lisa's Passion for Popcorn, the most adorable popcorn shop in all the land. They are giving 35% off to ICU listeners. Just make sure to use the promo code ICU with no spaces at checkout. And also you can enjoy free shipping when you spend over 30 bucks, which isn't hard to do because their popcorn is delicious. And with Christmas around the corner, I think this is a perfect gift, especially for someone that you don't know what to buy for. So maybe like your mother-in-law or your weird cousin, check them out at Lisa's LisaPassionForPopcorn.com. Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. ICU. Welcome to ICU. This is episode 64, Finding My Birth Family. It's good to be recording. If some of you follow me on social media, on Instagram or Facebook, you might have seen a post that I wrote this weekend, and I'm actually going to read that to you to kind of give you an idea of what I'm going to be talking about next week. It's something I felt really strongly about putting out. I think it's really easy to talk about mental illness and mental health struggles when you feel like you're over it or you're past it, when you have good things to say about it. I think it's another thing to reach out when you're in the middle of it and when things are feeling tricky. So the post that I shared, it said, my mental health has taken a pretty big hit this weekend. It's knocked me off my feet a little. I share that not for attention. I share it because I want you to know that I really do see you and I believe you see me. And if you struggle like me, we are not alone. Never, ever, ever. And I'm going to keep breathing and keep praying and keep believing and keep talking about it to those I get to share my stories with. Heart emoji. So you can picture it. So yeah, I had, I really had some mental health struggles this weekend and it it felt a little bit out of nowhere, but there is reason behind it. And I'm actually going to dedicate next week's episode to some of the lessons I've been learning and the hope that I feel after this weekend, just in the midst of some, some tough emotional stuff. And I'm actually really excited about it to share it with you, which might seem a little strange, but that's what makes this podcast work. All the vulnerableness and and connecting, it's just, it's a beautiful thing and feel really comfortable to do that here. For the review, I wanted to share part of a message that I received and this is what it says. It says, I am newer to the podcast, but so far I'm really loving it. A lot of great viewpoints are shared and I like the focus. I appreciate the work you are doing to make mental health issues normal and to reduce stigma around it. I'm really learning how to be honest and vulnerable in my own life. I am only on like number 25, so I'm still playing catch up to get to the newest episodes. This episode with your mom, sisters, and sister-in-laws was probably one of my favorites. Y'all are so close and supportive despite the distance. It was really cool to see that. And he or she is referring to, I actually do know that it's a he. I think he's referring to episode 17, which is thank you for showing up, which was a cool episode that we were able to do as a family. I just want to say how much I appreciate that message. And and I really appreciate when people are able to rate and review the podcast. That really helps the podcast get out there. And so even if you've sent me a message, if you haven't posted a review on Apple Podcasts or the other apps you're using or shared it on Facebook, it really, really makes a huge impact as far as getting the podcast out there. I really feel like this podcast is doing good things right now. And I don't say that as a pat on the back, but I say it because of the individual messages I'm getting. And I just feel so strongly that beautiful things are happening here and the people that are coming on and and sharing their stories and things that I'm learning personally, the way it helps me and my own emotional health to connect with other people. 
I know it's a special thing, so I appreciate everything that listeners have been doing to help it get out there more. Today, we are going to talk to Melissa. She's been very quiet and good this whole time. (laughs) First of all, welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Thank you. And your name is Melissa Arakaki. Correct. And that's how you say it. You said it perfectly. It's a Japanese last name. So maybe it's because I'm married to Rob and he speaks Japanese. I don't know. Maybe I just knew. Melissa Arakaki. Will you just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yep. I am 37. I'm married with four kids. My husband and I have a his, mine, and ours family. We've both been married before, and we each have a son from our previous marriages, and then two daughters together. It's a full house most of the time. I grew up in Spanish Fork, Utah, and still live in Spanish Fork, Utah. <laughs> so I've become one of those people. My oldest son actually goes to the same high school I went to. Spanish Fork I High? I did go to Spanish Fork High, That's and cool. it's a little weird when I walk in there. It still smells the same. Yeah. For whatever reason. I work for an awesome company called Vital Smarts. I am their digital support specialist. So I handle all of their digital trainings, which is a new role for me. And I actually really, really love it when I'm not working or chasing my kids. I love music. I love traveling and I love trying new food. Mm-hmm. I'm a big foodie. Mm-hmm. So I just want to experience life. We joke that that's how we travel is through food as well. (laughs) I can really appreciate that. Okay, well, let's just jump right in. Will you tell me a little bit about your adoption? Yes. So I was adopted when I was 19 days old. So I was just a baby. My mom at the time, and I'll throw this in there, when I refer to my mom or my dad, those are my adoptive parents because That is my mom. That is my dad. In my eyes, that's who I grew up with. My mom was pregnant with my younger brother when I was adopted. She just barely found out. So I have a younger brother who's seven months younger than I am. And growing up, we looked like twins. We were so close in age that when I would tell people I was adopted, they wouldn't believe me because I look like my family. I look like I fit in there. But I knew that I was adopted from a very young age. My mom never tried to hide that from me. In our religion, we believe in temple ceilings and that that seals the family together forever. I was sealed to my family. So to me, that was just my family. There was no question about it. You know, I grew up here, kind of small town. It's not very small anymore. Wonderful family, very supportive, very close with my brother and sister. I don't think there could have been a better situation. I have zero complaints about (laughs) growing up other than those minor little things that everybody has growing up. It was great. I always knew that that was my story, but I always had that sense of feeling that that was where I was supposed to be, that God had made sure that I was, I was where I was. Never a question of, oh, well, what if? It was just, that was where I was supposed to be. Good job, mom and dad. Yeah. Good job. Hopefully today's payday with them listening to this. Right? That's really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So how did you get in contact with your birth family? So when I was 18, I decided to look for non-identifying birth parent records. And I went through LDS Social Services and they gave me a couple papers that really just talked about some medical history of my biological parents, talked about some things that they liked to do. And I was really searching because I have a genetic neuromuscular disease and I wanted to know if it had come from one of them. Can you tell us the name of that disease again? It's called Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, but most people call it CMT. But so I just wanted to see if I could find that connection somewhere in these records that were given to me. There was nothing there. So I figured, okay, 
Neither of them has it. That's fine. But one of the things that it included in there was some comments that were made by my birth mother as she was going through this process of placing me for adoption. It said things like, she's so special. She needs more than I can give her right now. I already know that Heavenly Father has a place for her and it's not with me right now. I want her to grow up in a home with a mother and a father. And all of these comments, I remember being an 18 year old sitting in that office with the director of social services and crying. And he's crying with me because I thought, here's this glimpse into this person and their selfless act for me. At that time, I had had a friend from years past who had to give her child up for adoption. And I had only seen a little glimpse of that, but I had seen how hard that was for her. And so to then read these comments, I gained so much respect for my birth mother that she would be willing to do that for me. It was a closed adoption. And so I knew that if I was going to ever find her, which I wanted to do, it would probably take a lot of work. And so it kind of just got put on the back burner. I got married, had a kid, got divorced, got married again, had more children. And I was just busy raising my family. And about, it was almost seven years ago, my husband asked me one day if I would ever be one of those people that put a poster board on social media saying, oh, I'm searching for my birth mom. Here's all this information. And I said, no way, not happening. And he said, well, why not? I thought you wanted to find your birth mom. And I said, that's just making a situation that's very personal, super impersonal by opening that up to everybody. And so I wouldn't do that. I can understand that. I can understand that. It's just, I I was like, there's going to be a lot of crazies coming out of the woodwork (laughs) when you you start doing that. And I didn't want to be disrespectful to my family or anything like that. So we just kind of dropped the conversation. Nothing else was really said about it. And about a week or so later, I walked into our front room and my husband is sitting there with just one of those looks on his face that he was up to something. (laughs) And I said, what's wrong? Like, what did you do? And he goes, there's nothing wrong. I said, okay, why do you have that look on your face? And he says, I think I just found your birth mother. And it was total shock because I hadn't actually been looking. It was always one of those someday maybe kind of things. He had connected me on this online adoption registry that she had apparently made a profile onto. And he had connected the dots and said, this all matches. All of this information matches. It had my birth date and the hospital and all of these things. So we immediately jump on social media trying to find out anything we can. With the internet the way it is, we found a lot. We found her address. We found her phone number. We found some email addresses. It's awesome. It's also terrifying. It's also scary. scary. I know. We found just so much information, but yet not enough. It was was a weird kind of conundrum. So I sent her an email, and I believe I sent her a message on Facebook and waited. And I am not a patient person (laughs) in the slightest. And anybody who knows me knows this. And so after about three weeks of jumping every time my phone gave me a notification that there was an email, I finally said, what do I do? Short of getting on a plane and flying to Texas, which is where she lived, and knocking on her door, what do I do? And my husband says, well, you're just going to have to call her. I said, no, no. He finally talked me into it and I called 
and nobody answered, <laughs> which is terrifying. And then he goes, did you leave a message? I said, what, what message do you leave? Hey, Hi. mom. Hey, it's mom. Me. It's me. Long time no see. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I called back about an hour later and my brother answered the phone and I didn't know that was who it was. And I asked for her and he said, can I ask who's calling? And I thought, oh no. So I just said, this is Melissa. And I'm just praying that he does not ask any other questions. So he goes and gets her and she gets on the phone. And I immediately start apologizing for this just being out of the blue. And I'm so sorry. This is a bad time. And did you feel sick? Like, were you nauseated? I, so I did. I thought I was what going I'm to picturing. throw up. I was on the edge of my bed just shaking because this was suddenly happening this moment I thought of for years and years. And she cut me off and she said, I don't ever want you to apologize for contacting me. I am so grateful that you had the guts to call me. We talked for probably an hour, hour and a half that first time. And you know, compared our stories and it was just... Amazing. It was amazing to finally get to talk to her. And she started apologizing to me and said, I'd always worried for so long that you would hate me, that you would feel these terrible feelings toward me. And it was so nice to be able to tell her, thank you for what you did, that I didn't feel slighted. I didn't feel gypped. I didn't feel any animosity toward her because of what she gave me. You know, she gave me something that she couldn't have given me herself. Right then, and it was a very healing conversation to have. Sounds like on both sides with her. Yes, but so we started talking more. She had remarried, met a wonderful, wonderful man, had a daughter and a son. So I realized that I had siblings on that side. Over the last six or seven years, we've just been able to develop those relationships. They welcomed us into their family. I have a very great relationship with my sister and my brother. They are some of my best friends. Just a best case scenario situation on that side. She passed away this last January from cancer. I'm sorry. Thank you. I hate cancer so much. I do. I can't even tell you. Cancer sucks. We have dealt with it a lot. My mother-in-law passed away from cancer last year too. So we dealt with a lot. Cancer's a four-letter word in our household. But it was so wonderful to go to her funeral and be included as one of her children to have people that I didn't know come up to me. And they knew who I was. And to be able to say, I remember when she got in contact with you and she was so happy or I've heard all about you or you sound just like her or you look like her. And, you know, just being able to have that experience of being able to be there and to honor her and honor her life was so good. So hard, so hard, but it was just reaffirming that this was such a good person. It was great to, it was great to have had the time that I had. I wish I had so much more time. But I'm also so grateful that we got the time we did because if I had just put it off, you know, just a few years more, I wouldn't have gotten any of that time with her. It's been hard, but it has been looking back. I wouldn't trade that at all. On the flip side with my birth father, I never got the chance to meet him. He was killed in a car accident about two and a half years ago. So I did not get the chance to meet him. He was still in contact with my birth mother. And I had kind of gotten the impression that he didn't want contact with me. And I think I had convinced myself that I didn't want contact with him either. That's a story that I had told myself for a very long time, that it didn't matter to me. Kind of that, well, if you don't like me, I don't like you and who cares? 
until we found out that he had been killed. We didn't know until about two months later. And then all of a sudden, this wave of emotion just hit me. And I just realized, I'm never going to get that chance now. And that chance is gone. There's not going to be time for me to come around or for him to come around. It's just gone. A year ago, I started getting those little, I feel like they're like spiritual nudgings. You know, when the spirit or something is just kind of like kicking you in the butt a little bit saying, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. And as much as you fight against it, it just keeps kicking your butt to do it. He had two sons when I was born. Sorry, real quick, just to clarify, your birth dad had two sons when you were born? Yeah, they were five and seven. So a bit older than me. So I reached out to the oldest one and it took a few months. It took probably three or four months before we were actually able to communicate because he didn't know about me. It was a hard blow, I think, to suddenly have learned that you have a sibling that you knew nothing about and your dad is not there to ask questions and they were still grieving his passing. I'm all of those things. And I kept thinking when I was getting these nudgings, why now? Like, why now? But the nudging was just so strong. I thought, okay, here goes nothing. We've talked. We've connected. The first time I talked to him, we talked for about four hours. And we both cried. And we both shared with each other our frustrations and our sorrow for different things. And I got to go meet him and his wife and his two beautiful daughters in July for a weekend. And they are they are warm and they are such good people and they are wonderful and his girls are the cutest things. I just, <laughs> I adore them. I adore all of them. My other brother, the younger of the two, just hasn't come around yet. And it's been a real lesson in patience for me because I would love everything to just happen super quickly and we're all family and, and that's great. I have to remind myself that everybody processes things in their own time. And I'm just this person that just dives in. <laughs> when I decide I'm doing it, I jump in head first. Yeah, I'm a little like I that am, too. I am committed and let's be friends or let's be family and let's just do it and see what happens. And I have to realize that not everybody is like that. And I can respect that. Even though it's been a little hard for me navigating those relationships, I have hope. I have hope for that. It's been interesting seeing how both sides of that differ. And I have to remember that everybody is different. Everybody's thought processes are different. And we're all very unique in how we process things and how we deal with things. How has compassion played a role in this new part of your life? Oh, boy. My sister and brother on my birth mother's side, they also didn't know about me until I had called. And we got off the phone and she she was saying, well... I guess I better go tell my kids about you. And I just went, oh boy, here we go. We're going to rock the boat. You got to be that child. I got to be that person (laughs) twice. And, (laughs) And I have felt a lot of compassion from them and also from my brother that I've spoken with that I'm just looking for that piece of me. You know, we all have those different pieces that kind of make up who we are. And I'm just looking for those pieces. I'm not trying to rock the boat. I'm not trying to destroy anybody's lives or insert myself where I'm not wanted. I just want those pieces. I want to fill in those gaps. Also, 
I have a lot of really wonderful friends, wonderful coworkers who may not be in the same boat that I am in, but have always been willing to listen and always been supportive of me especially when my birth mother passed away. That was a very difficult time. And those emotions are a little bit different because she wasn't the mother that I grew up with. And so our relationship was different. A lot of missed opportunity feelings because they lived far away and I didn't get to see them as much as I would have liked. But I had a lot of people who really reached out to me during that point, recognizing that she was a big part of who I am, you know, really showed a lot of compassion, especially during that time. And anytime I've really struggled and needed somebody to talk to, it's mostly just been people who are willing to listen to my story that have probably been the biggest support for me. We can all do that. We can all listen. Mm-hmm. It's free. Listening is free. Right. It turns out you don't have to have money. You don't have to be any certain kind of person. You just no. have to listen and be willing to sit with someone in their, in their stuff. You don't have to fix it either, right? Exactly. So we're all telling our husbands, you don't have to fix it. You just got to listen. Yes. Right? <laughs> My poor husband. I say that all the time. I know. <laughs> I don't need you to fix this. I feel like I Rob will start before he says something. He's like, I'm not trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> like, okay, I'll prepare for this conversation. It's like, this isn't me fixing it. <laughs> right. Oh, they're the best. If there's someone listening who doesn't feel super close with their family, and you have a little of both, you have mm-hmm. some that... You're able to be really close with in this new family that have really welcomed you in. And there's some that have a little more hesitancy to bring you in close. Mm-hmm. What would be just your message or advice to someone that doesn't feel close to their family and feels some heartache there? One of the first things that I learned is that you just never know what you're going to get from people. I did not go searching for my birth parents because I was lacking something with my own family, but I could understand If they felt that way, I had to work on relationships there too with my adoptive family that this doesn't change anything. So it helped that those relationships were pretty solid to start with, but I had to work on showing them some compassion too that I understand. The first time we took our family down to Texas, I had posted some photos of me with my sister down there. We were doing fun things. And my sister back in Utah called one day and talked to me and we were driving to the coast and I was very excited for the things that we were getting to experience. And she said, I'm still your favorite sister, right? And I kind of laughed, but my heart hurt a little bit for her. And I just said, we have so many years, you know, we have our entire lifetime of experiences and growing up together and all those things that I am never going to have with anybody else. I guess it's realizing that each relationship is very different and very unique. I can't look at the close relationship I have with my brother and sister on my birth mom's side and compare that to the relationship that I have or don't have with my brothers on my birth dad's side because every person is different. I guess my advice would be to look at every relationship separately, to be able to Try and see things from their perspective. Just put yourself in their shoes a little bit to understand where they're coming from. And kind of like you touched on before, I never think it is a bad thing to reach out and say, hey, I'm here if you want to talk. I am here to listen to you. I see you. To just put yourself out there to say, I'm here for you. Because they may not be ready to take that invitation just yet. 
I just learned a few months ago that my sister in Texas, who I'm very close with now, wanted nothing to do with me for the first year after I popped into her life. And I said, are you kidding? And she goes, I know. It's really weird, but I wanted nothing to do with you. I didn't want to even acknowledge your existence. I Mm -hmm. said, okay. And now we're very, very close. And so it just was me giving that some time and saying, okay, we're going to take this at your speed. But I always let her know, I'm here. When you want to talk, when you're ready, I'm there. And I think that goes a long way with people to open yourself up to just say, I'm here for you, as opposed to well, I'm here and here's my agenda and here's what I want to happen. I'm here for you. Let's move at your speed. And I think that can work with not adoptive families, just with anybody. If you have a friend, you know, that relationship is struggling or a sibling to just say, I'm here. When you're ready to talk, I'm here. I really appreciate that advice today for me, even in my relationships. I think sometimes I can get worked up in my head about some relationship I have, whether it's my marriage or relationships with the family that I grew up in and that I think that it should look a certain way. And it goes back to comparison, Mm -hmm. being the thief of all joy, basically, right? Because I have in my brain, this is what I expected this relationship to look like. This is what I saw on movies growing up. This is what I've seen, how my friends have had a relationship, my perspective of their relationships, Mm -hmm. which is also not the whole story, can really mess with us. But I just love that idea of taking each relationship by itself and looking at it individually by itself next to nothing else, just on its own. I Mm -hmm. love that. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Melissa. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. And I just, I love your unique perspective on family. So special, especially as Thanksgiving's coming up and a lot of times mm-hmm. the holidays can be can be tricky for people if they feel like they don't feel close to their family or they've lost their family or there's a lot of tricky situations that come up. So hopefully we can all just view the relationships in our lives, blood or not, and take them on individually and feel appreciation for each of those individual relationships. And if they don't look perfect and cookie cutter, that's okay. That's mm-hmm. okay. That's not real life. Yeah. We always talk about our, we have our family that we chose and the family we didn't choose. And sometimes family you didn't choose, you're not super close with. Look for the family that you have chosen that have chosen you. Yes. Too. Because there's There's family and there is love all around and it doesn't have to look like that, you know, that movie poster or that cookie cutter way. Mine definitely doesn't. Yeah. So, and it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's all beautiful. It's beautiful. Another big thank you to this week's sponsor, Lisa's Passion for Popcorn. Don't forget that they are giving 35% off to ICU listeners. Just make sure you use the promo code ICU with no spaces at the checkout. And also you can enjoy free shipping when you spend over 30 bucks. My favorite is white chocolate. Ooh, it'll rock your socks. It's really good. But they also have a blueberry muffin that is just so good. And I, I didn't think I would like blueberry muffin, but they do it right. Make sure you go over to lisapassionforpopcorn.com. I kind of just want to record next week's podcast right now because I'm I'm just so excited about it. I'm excited to just share all the things I've been learning and there's going to be a little bit of Victor Frankel in there. So hopefully you're cool with him and man's search for meaning. I'm speed reading it before I post next week's episode. So if you want to too, you totally can. You can join me. Yeah, just a plug for next Friday. Please don't miss next Friday. My name is Julie Lee and I see you.